The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews is brought to you by Spirituality and Health Magazine, the Soul Body Connection. Visit SpiritualityHealth.com today. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. You know, there's a mystery about our lives that can only be understood through story and metaphor. Our guest today, returning for the second time, is a storyteller extraordinaire, whose stories and the telling of them bring us closer to our own souls. Dr. Clarissa Pinkola Estes is an internationally acclaimed poet, diplomat, union psychoanalyst, post-trauma specialist, and a cantadora, which means she's the keeper of the old stories in the Latina tradition. She is deputy managing editor and columnist writing on politics, spirituality, and culture at the news blog, themoderatevoice.com, and a columnist at the National Catholic Reporter Online. Her published works are several, including The Gift of Story, The Faithful Gardener, and Women Who Run with the Wolves, which was first published as spoken word audio in 1989 by Sounds True, three years before it appeared as a book. It became a classic and was on the New York Times bestseller list for 145 weeks and is now published in 36 languages worldwide, including Turkish and Chinese. Dr. Estes created a 15-volume collection of original best-selling audio works and a 12-part live performance series entitled Theater of the Imagination, broadcast on Pacifica and national public radio networks across America and Canada. Currently, she is bringing to Sounds True a second online six-part series of fireside chats entitled The Dangerous Old Woman, Myths and Stories of the Wise Woman Archetype, beginning September 22, 2010 at www.soundstrue.com. And this dangerous old woman is the topic of our discussion today. For her lifelong social activism and writing, Dr. Estes is the recipient of the Las Primeras Award, which means she's the first of her kind, from the Mexican-American Women's Foundation, Washington, D.C., and the President's Medal for Social Justice from the Union Institute. And she is the first recipient of the Joseph Campbell Keeper of the Lore Award. Welcome, Dr. Estes, back to Authentic Living. We're so glad to have you, and I am so happy to offer your warmth and living wisdom to our listening audience. So thank you so much for being here with us today. I'm so glad to be with you again. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's really nice to hear your voice. Oh, and yours too. Thank you. You're such a warm. I've told some people that I've talked to that sometimes I feel like saying, now, will you be my mommy? Oh. (laughs) such a wonderful voice and such a dear, sweet. um, Thank you. Uh, present. So we're going to just sort of jump right in here and, and talk about... You know, I just want to say that for those of us who are now elders, do you know, every woman is our psychic daughter. Every woman. 
Uh, when you're, um, I'm in my seventh decade, and when you have seen a great deal and lived a great deal, um, you have a, you might say, a silver net that you throw over all souls before you, and they become not like children, but like psychic relatives. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. Okay, so let's sort of jump right in here and talk about this a little bit. You tell us that we have two forces that give us the vision to see who we really are. And since seeing who we really are is what this show is all about, I want to start there. You name these forces as, one, the wild and ever young force of imagination, which also contains intuition and instinct, and two, the wise elder force of knowledge, which holds boundaries and carries the heart of the visionary. I want to talk about each one of these, so can you clarify what you mean by each? Sure. This upcoming series online event, is the subtitle is The Power of the Crone. And in ancient mythology, the crone is the one who carried the animating force that's ever youthful, but also the deep wisdom, uh, you might even say sometimes dark wisdom, as well as wisdom of the great light, the great illuminations that we can have about our lives and creative life and peace and so forth. She carries both. And so the animating spirit, so we call it spirit usually, is childlike, forever, no matter how old you are. If you're 25 years old, if you're 50 years old, you know, <laughs> nowadays I hear, you know, people turning 20, 25, the, the sort of ground stone events of, growing older, those five-year increments, and they say, I feel so old. And you know what? They're right, but not perhaps in the way that they're thinking at the moment, which is culturally old, meaning I don't look like I'm 16 years old anymore. But in a whole other way, yes, they are growing old in the best way possible. The animating child spirit stays alive forever. It's filled with intuition, instincts. It has knowledge. And it's gut knowledge, it's a sensory knowledge. Then the overlay to that is after you have seen some life and you've lived it, lived deep enough in it, and also, you know, unfortunately, have scars and wounds, then also there's wisdom that rises out of those wounds about how to go forward, how to heal oneself, and, and even more importantly, certainly as importantly, also to help others. That wisdom moves toward other people also. So that is not a duality between the very young and the very old that's inside every person. It's that they're awakened and they come alive. And that animating force, which we call spirit, has been alive since we were born. That other force that you might call the soul or the wisdom source, that also has been with us since we were born, and it has always been alive, but we become more and more aware of it the older we become, that it has knowledge, it broadcasts to us, it gives us information, and often guides us and says, no, no, don't don't be chasing after your ego over here, come over here with me, with the soul, I'll show you how to live. And I'm so glad you said that they're not a duality, because I do think that's what our culture perpetuates, we have the young and we have the old, and there is a... Of course, but you know, you've heard people say, um, you know, people who are 90 years old, 80 years old, 70 years old, 60 years old, I heard them say, I feel very young, I feel 16. Yeah? They are. They are 16. The animating spirit is young forever. It never 
ages. That's why elderly people want to laugh and dance and sing and have love in their life and do all the things that a child would like to do because that's still alive inside of them. We don't want to see that go away. No, 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 no. I, <laughs> I was just writing last night on my Facebook page about, um, which is Dr. Clarissa Pincola Estes on Facebook. Any one of those names will bring you to me. I was just writing about an old man who uh, I had heard about who dresses up in his three-piece suit every day to go brush his teeth. In the, there's a uni, unisex sink area in the um, assisted living that he's in. And his daughter was trying to get him to quit that because he might get toothpaste on his suit or he might ruin his suit. And he said, you never know, you might meet someone. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Going to the unisex bathroom. That's beautiful. I mean, it's just beautiful. beautiful. He, he's hoping you meet a lady friend, you know? <laughs> That's <laughs> great. It, no, it's like, it, it, it almost uh, wants to make you laugh and cry because the child's spirit is fully alive in him. Yep. Absolutely, absolutely. And that brings us to the next question, because that, that animating spirit doesn't seem to follow the same rules we, our culture wants to follow. You tell us that we have a kind of inner urging to live a different life, even yeah. to disobey and transgress. Yeah. There's many people on the planet right now who would say that you should not be telling us about that kind of urging, <laughs> <laughs> that in fact such urging is dangerous and would, if everyone followed it, ultimately obliterate the world. So why are you telling us about this? Well, first of all, you have to remember that um, we live in a post-Darwinian age, you could say, meaning after Darwin. Darwin made this huge idea that actually animals uh, and humans are incredibly fertile, that they have more eggs and so on than they could ever possibly use, and that much of that so-called fertility is wasted. Well, I would say that he was actually on to something. But I'd state it a little bit differently. I'd say that we are filled with more than we can ever achieve in one lifetime, and it's time to get with it. <laughs> it's time to pick it up and go forward with it instead of fooling around and delaying and procrastinating and wondering if it's really all meant. Yes, it is. It is meant. Every person born into this world is not a duplicate. They are a one-of-a-kind with a one-of-a-kind destiny. If you look at little tiny children, you know, zero to three years old, there is no way you can say this child is like this other child. You already see the discrete differences in the children, in their temperaments, their constitutions, their way of looking at life, their way of reacting to life, their fears, their hopes, their dreams, all of that. We are one-of-a-kind people. However, we're poured, unlike the animals, <laughs> we're poured into a culture that is a little bit like a maze and you're only supposed to go in one direction and there are walls you know that hold the little mice in the mazes uh, except some of us are jumping mice <laughs> 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 we jump right over the top and there's an old story about that uh, about a little mouse who hears a sound a roaring in his ears and he he asks the other mice, do you hear that? And I say, no, what are you talking about? And he jumps up in the air, and he feels like he sees a river far away, and the roaring is coming from the river he has never seen, and no one in his village has seen. And so he jumps up again, and he sees the river again, and all of a sudden he realizes his heart and his soul lies with that river, and he has to go there. 
and everyone tries to persuade him not, no, no, don't go, no, no, don't go, don't go, don't go. You know, it's dangerous, you'll die, you'll <laughs> sort But he goes. Yes. A brave little mouse. Absolutely, and I find that people can do that in all kinds of ways, not just saying don't go, but just by silence. Not true, or lack, or lack of enthusiasm. Or lack, yeah. You know, it's considered a sin to douse other people's enthusiasm. Yeah. You know, the thing is, someone can tell me they're going to fly to the moon tomorrow. Could be one of my grandchildren, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> and instead of saying, uh, you can't possibly do that, you don't have a rocket team, you, know, you don't have the resources, blah, 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 blah. You go far out. Tell me how. Yeah. Let me know. Are you going to send me a postcard? I hope you will. <laughs> the the thing is, they will figure it out. They, if it is not real enough yet, or they can't get the, then they'll figure it out. But the fact that they had the idea can be very meaningful. And say, man, you really want to explore outer space. You want to be, you know, like a visitor to Earth almost. You want to see what it looks like from far away. Good for you. This is uh, the thing, though, that we're taught in the culture to keep the mice with within the walls is to douse their enthusiasm. Yep, sad but true. Okay, well, we're going to be back uh, in just a few more minutes with some more from Dr. Clarissa Pinkola Estes, so don't miss it. Stay tuned. for a transforming world. Seventh Wave Network. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it will be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. When I found out my jeans were made using child labor in sweatshops, I wrote a letter to the company saying, reconsider your labor practices. A few months later, I get a letter back saying, thanks for being a loyal customer, and they included a coupon for a 25% discount on their jeans. So I got smart, wrote letters every day to all the stores that carry the brand, asking them to stop supporting the companies who use child labor in sweatshops. And I just kept getting letters back, thanking me for my concerns, and more coupons for more discounts on more jeans. So I'm telling my friend about it, and she flips out, saying that between all the letters and coupons, some paper company cut down a small forest, driving off two indigenous tribes, hundreds of endangered animals, killing thousands of plant species, some of which may have contained vaccines for HIV, cancer, and syphilis. Meanwhile, the guys cutting down the trees are 13-year-old kids who work night and day for months just to save up enough money to buy a pair of jeans made by child labor in sweatshops. Saving the world isn't easy, but saving a life is. Just one pint of blood can save up to three lives. Visit bloodsaves.com to learn more. This public service announcement was brought to you by the Ad Council. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. 
listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. The Authentic Living Show is sponsored by Spirituality and Health Magazine, the Soul Body Connection, one of America's most prestigious spiritual magazine. This one publishes six times a year and offers an amazing array of information for the seeker, both in print and online. Check them out at www.spiritualityhealth.com. There is not a single page of this magazine that I haven't been glad I read, so uh, check it out. And today we are talking with Dr. Clarissa Pinkola Estes, uh, and we've been talking about the dangerous old woman. And I want to. The next question I want to ask you is: We've, you know, we've spoken. You speak a lot about the wisdom that comes from the soul, rather than from the culture of the ego. What's the difference? And the key question is: How do we begin to access the wisdom from the soul? Okay, going back just briefly to your other question, I want to say if. Um, the culture will say to us, if everyone does their own thing, so to speak, which is a old catchphrase from the 1960s, you know, like along with groovy and all yeah. the rest of that. If everyone does their own thing, there will be chaos. That's not true. We all have a drive toward cooperation. Our culture, however, often teaches us only competition. But there are, in the animal kingdom, for instance, they could not exist without cooperation. They cannot only be competitive. They also have to have strong, basic, rooted means of cooperation. So in terms of the soul, the soul is cooperative. The soul is always looking for links to other ideas, people that are nurturant, that nurturance can flow in a reciprocal manner back and forth between people, groups, ideas, nature. It has a caretaking quality to it, the soul does. Toward us that we not be carried off by the culture in the middle of the night, kidnapped from our bed, screaming into the you know pop culture to be destroyed and shaped according to how they would wish us to be shaped. They, the great they, really are the power brokers of the overculture. And I don't want to describe them as evil people. I think often they're just simply power mad and unconscious. But the the deal is that the soul came with us it inhabits the body. It will be here for as long as the body, which is our sweet, kind companion, is alive, and then it will be released one day. And that soul is a knowledgeable one who is cooperative with everything it can possibly be cooperative with first and foremost, rather than competitive. So accessing the soul, let me put it to you this way. The difference between wanting a new car and seeing a baby born is the difference between the ego and the soul. Okay. Great comparison. So the soul has magnitude and it has it carries the feeling that we have of awe, being awestruck. When you see a baby being born and setting aside you know, all the stuff you see on TV and comedies about, oh, my God, we're all going to faint. Wait, no. Seeing a child being born puts you right in your soul. It's so awesome. It is so 
so unbelievable that this little one has traveled all this way, all the way from a tiny dot, and all of a sudden it has arms and legs and head and eyes and ears, and it's fully alive, warm, steaming from the womb. That is the soul reaction. When we have reactions like that, you can be sure the soul is right with us. We are seated entirely in the soul. When we sit at a board meeting or we're at work and someone is really aggravating the living daylights out of us, um, you know, sometimes I think some people have a destiny to aggravate other people. (laughs) (laughs) And so everywhere they go, they leave a flurry of feathers and stones behind them. But so you're sitting there and the ego is going to say, you know, I cannot stand you. Yeah, I'm, could you just pipe down? Why are you doing that? Blah, blah. The soul will move into almost an aerial point of view and hover over the whole scene and say, this person, we have no idea what their life is like. We have no idea why they are this way. And do the most we can do to be peaceful here and to flow like water around this person as far as we can, as much as we can. To not engage to not aggravate back, to not tell them off, but to be peaceful with them. Because most of the time when we're aggravated, you know, it is not a life and death matter at all. At all. And maybe it's a signal to us to plan our escape. (laughs) (laughs) So your question is a good one. And listening to a greater idea, to a bigger idea than just the momentary um, feelings, thoughts, ideas of the moment, you know, that are small looking for the greater aerial view, the magnitude of what actually is going on. That person who's so aggravating, they have a destiny. We don't know what it, we'll never know what it is. Maybe part of our destiny is to be aggravated for a time. Maybe part of our destiny is to be aggravated and then go, okay, enough. Basta. I'm on my way now. Goodbye. I may or may not be back. (laughs) But I I am moving onward now. In other words, they might be like a rock in the road. And you are always uh, stopped by the rock on the road, but one day you say, you know what? My time of being spellbound by rocks on the road is over. I'm moving onward. All these destiny ideas come from the soul. It's time to go, time to move, time to see bigger rather than teeny tiny. The ego almost always, because it is what it is, like a little monkey that likes every bright, shiny thing, the ego will always be easily irritated and aggravated if you choose to live there for all of your life. It just will, because yeah. it's its nature. But the soul is not complacent, but it is peaceful. It will go for peace before it will go for anything. And that doesn't mean that it's a patsy. It would be a mistake to think the soul is only calm and peaceful and it is also not fierce. I'm glad you said that. That's that's very well put. It is fierce in, in protecting and in, in listening and being in awe and all of that, right? That's right, and unleashing the creative life. It is not shy, but it does have a good timing, let's say. It has a really good sense of when might be the right time. And, not. and how, how one navigates from living out of ego only into living more and more of soul life is by literally slowing down, stopping, and thinking about what you want to do and changing the channel from ego over to soul. Because the ego natters. I can't believe she did that. I can't believe oh my God. You know, how many times do I have to tell you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
you always know which channel is which. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, because of the feeling content. And I guess what you're saying is that we can trust the soul, and I don't think any, uh, from any of us have really, really been taught that whole idea that the soul can be trusted. We trust rules, we trust institutions, we trust right. all those things. Right. Well, the thing is that um, you, you can trust other people's souls because I, in my understanding and my experience in life, if people are seated in the soul, they are peaceful, they are loving, they are creative, those three things especially. Peaceful, loving, creative, and I mean to the max. If they're not, it can be a lot of flurry, a lot of, um, you might say, wasted action, a lot of flailing around. Um, And if they're halfway in and halfway out, then you see that when they are in, they are so approachable. They are so um, productive. They 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 have beautiful ideas that are actually fulfillable. Uh, when they're in ego, any number of things can go wrong. Because look at monkeys in the jungle. Um, they're extremely impulsive. And they, <laughs> they might all have attention deficit disorder. <laughs> they might. Because they <laughs> actually don't. But they, <laughs> they just, uh, they're, they're attracted by whatever happens to come by. Mm-hmm. And, and in that sense, it's good in a way. You might say the ego is an important part of the psyche because it's curious, but it's curious about everything. It doesn't seem to have a really good way of ordering, prioritizing its curiosity. All right. Well, so along that pathway um, to accessing the soul, we're all going to run into some pain. You've already mentioned some of the ways we do that. But there are some people that tell us that pain has a lesson for us, but not necessarily meaning I think that maybe you're talking about something different than mere lessons. What What is the meaning? Well, um, I grew up in a family of refugees from World War II. So when I think of lessons, uh, I don't think of, like, I fell down and I stubbed my toe and I wasn't able to uh, dance tonight. Um, I, I think of people who are sorely lacerated, very deeply injured, who have literally walked with death and somehow managed not to die. And at that level, meaning, first of all, comes from knowing that there's something inside of you that is greater than any death that attempted to throw itself over you. That anything that has tried to kill your creativity, your sanctity of your body, as you know, many people in war, are raped, tortured, shot. Many of my relatives were missing body parts that had literally been shot off as punishment, not to try to kill them, but to harm them, to terrorize the rest of the people who are around them. So the lesson of, uh, you know, like, while I survived, okay, fine, the, the meaning inside that lesson is one that seats you entirely in the soul. When you are in abject despair, such as in childbearing loss, for instance, or sudden death of a loved one that was absolutely unexpected, or the murder of a loved one, in those moments, believe me, the soul cries out. The soul cries out in anguish. And all the thoughts and feelings that a person has, including that sitting and staring, that inability to function in ego, is actually the response of the sorrowing, grief-stricken soul. And in those moments, 
people are completely seated in the part of themselves that is most protective, most knowledgeable, most caretaking, and should be allowed to be there for a time so that they can have that numbness that the soul throws over them. That's part of their healing. Absolutely. And we might come back to that after the break so we can make sure we, we understand that. All right, we'll be back in just a few minutes with more from Dr. Clarissa Pinkola Estes. Don't miss it. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just... I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh! Uh, 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 there you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. Drawing on resources from wellness communities throughout America and abroad, the show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment rising to levels not seen since the Great Depression. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time noon pacific time on the voice america business channel awakened media for a transforming world seventh wave network listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll-free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking to Dr. Clarissa, Clarissa Pinkola Estes about her upcoming online event at SoundsTrue.com called The Dangerous Old Woman. And uh, we were talking just before the break about pain and what the meaning behind pain is. Pain is, and you were saying that pain on the level where it, where it reaches the level where we're sort of uh, not confronting death, we are actually seated in the soul. Right. When when death comes right to the door, in one way or another, emotional death, spiritual death, physical death comes right to the door, there's only one place to go, really. Because the ego, you realize very quickly, the ego 
isn't going to get you out of this because the reason you call it a tragedy or the reason that you call it a great challenge is because there's no way out. You have to work through it. You have to give time to it. You have to give energy to it. You have to put up boundaries around it. You have to do poor medicine into it. Many, many things. And what I, the difference between, you might say, the old crone and the naive ego in great deleterious harms is that the ego will always, usually, try to not talk about it or not be in that particular pain. And it might, you know, use alcohol, for instance, or drugs, or um, running away, so to speak. The soul will say no. The soul will say, we're going to come through this. We're going to do what we have to do. We're going to go forward. I'm going to help you remain whole. We're going to pray. We're going to be with people who have high consciousness instead of low consciousness. The, The soul will lead you to different kinds of people than the ego will, for instance. So one of my uncles, who was in a slave labor camp at the Russian border during the Second World War, um, when he was um, finally made it be all bedraggled and um, in pieces to America, um, people would say to him often, oh, you know, those Nazis, they were really bad people, or that Red Army, which was Joe Stalin's army, um, he was given the Eastern European countries and killed over two million people right after the war. He was not a good man. I say, oh, that the Red Army, you know, they were bad people, and And my uncle would say, and it was not out of his ego, it was out of his soul, he would say, no, they belonged to no country. They did not belong to Russia, and they did not belong to Germany. They were demons, and they were evil, and demons and evil have no country. Hmm. That's a statement from the aerial view of the soul, and it is true. Now, say a person's going through a divorce, which is one of the most tearing things that you can go through. The person having the divorce may be saying, why me? Or why can't this other person understand what it is I need? Or I've told them and I've told... You know, you can come from it as the one who is left or the one who has initiated the divorce. Either way, it's very painful. The soul, however, has other ways of seeing it. It says, your time with this person is done now. Your children, if you have children, they needed to come into the world apparently from both of you. But now after the children are here, your time here is done. And even though it hurts to make the separation and tear apart, you'll do it. You'll do it. You'll be whole. In fact, your wholeness is probably the reason why you may have initiated this to begin with. And you will pull yourself up if this has been a surprise to you. And you will remain as you always are, just whole in the soul. Soul teaches differently than ego. Ego says, Oh, my God, oh, my God. And, you know, you have to have pity on the ego because that's all it knows is hand-wringing, you know. And and there are issues that have to come to terms with economically about children, about raising them, about child support, about visitation, all those things. But the soul has a bigger picture about the destiny of the individual that now, for reasons we may not ever understand all of them, it's time to move forward. And with as much peace, and with as much love, and with as much creativity as possible. Yep. And with the gift of whatever that gave you, all the gifts of whatever. That's correct. 
and the regret, time of regret will will diminish. The time of feeling so pained, time of feeling, but I love you, I love... All of that will diminish and you will realize because the soul will tell you that you have to love what loves you back. You cannot pour your whole life into something that for whatever reason, the reasons don't matter, cannot love you in return for your goodness and your purity. So that lesson is a huge life lesson to not pour your precious self into that which cannot grow. Yep, absolutely. I think one of the things that Jesus said was, uh, don't throw your pearls before swine. And also the beautiful parable that's in the holy words about seeds on seeds that fall on rock and seeds that boil in the sun and seeds that fall on good earth. That, that particular poetry in those holy words that belong to the Hebrews and the Christians, those holy words are literally out of someone's soul. That's the way the soul sees. So is the soul, the, uh, is, is that the old crone? The crone, you know what? A lot of the um, poetry, you might say, of the world and a lot of the old tales really are the old women and the old men's tales. They come from the perspective of having seen life not just once, but three times, four times go by. And it seems pretty much the same all the time. <laughs> People, you know, have what I call taser love. Taser love is, you know, you know what a taser is? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, most of us have been struck by taser love at least once, if not ten times in life. We're, oh, my God. Gosh, right. we have to have the, oh, no, we have to be, no, we have to drop everything to be with this person, right? Right. But it may not, you know, it may not sustain, right? Yeah. So there's something in this earth that there are these patterns, we call them archetypal patterns, and it means that often we're going to have an experience of taser love. Then reality, consensual reality is going to step in somewhere along the line, and we're going to look at that person one day and we're going to like, who are you, right? Right. right? And then the real possibility of relationship exists at that moment, but sometimes people don't like what they see and they move on. It's another lesson. It's a pattern in our lives because the pattern we all follow, as the crone speaks about it in tales and fairy tales, is life, death, life. That first comes life, of anything. You know, you have a pet, you have a relationship, you have a job, you have an interest, a hobby, you have raising children. First comes life, then comes entropy, which means kind of a waning of, you know, interest. Like, oh God, the dog needs to be taken out again. Oh God, the children need to be taken to wherever for something or other practice. Oh God, you know, my work, I can't stand it right now. So it goes into a decline. And it goes all the way down into Loss of energy, real energy. Relationships are that way too. But then all of a sudden, something new is incubated in the dark of that loss of energy. And there's a quickening and then a reassertion of life again. And that cycle of new life, entropy, down into the darkness, incubation, new life again being born, goes through everything on earth that we touch, that we live, that we do everything, our bodies, 
our minds, our hearts, our souls, our relationships, our work, our intensity, our learning, our everything, everything. These are the rules, if I could put it that way, of planet Earth. Right. So we have to have these experiences to to put, sort of give us the nudge to move into that higher. Well, you know, Carl Jung, Carl Jung, the um, psychologist, psychiatrist from Zurich, who lived in the 1900s and died in 1961. Um, he left a huge body of work, and there are a whole pile of Jungian analysts all over the world, of which I am one. And one of the things he said was that the self, and he used the self synonymously, I think, with the word creator or God. He said that the self gives you issues in order for you to know the self. Yep. Well, okay. He said instead of, like, your father was an alcoholic and this caused you to have various symptomatology and as a result your life has a wound in it. He would say it differently. He would say the self sends the awareness of the symptom of the struggle one has when one's father or mother is an alcoholic and the suffering of that is not meant only to be suffering. It's meant to draw the entire psyche back to the center of the self, capital S, self, again. And, you know, he was um, shy in many ways, um, reluctant to talk about God, in part because his father, and he came from a long line of ministers, of religious ministers. And he had, you know, as a lot of teenagers do, um, decided that they were full of it. He felt like they were too rigid in their ways of doing things and that they weren't, the creative flow wasn't coming into what they were preaching, I think is one way of putting it. So he uh, shied away, I think, from the concept. But that is, um, you know, it's not science. It's it's more like a, a conduct of life way of thinking about, some people call it spirituality, some people call it religious idea that what we have, and what we face and what we're challenged by and what our gifts are, that they all flow from a source without source, a huge, enormous source beyond us, no matter what one calls it. Some people call it goddess, some people call it Gaia, some people call it Jesus, some people people call it many, many different things. But it is a source without source that's beyond the ego's ability to grasp it, but not the soul's. The soul can grasp it immediately. So along the way, the the guidance from the old crone is there for us. The soul is ancient, as far as we can tell. And Carrie, you know, when you have little tiny children, you're three, four, five years old, they say the most wise things imaginable. And you say, where did they get that from? They're speaking straight from the soul, not from their days on earth, but from their soul, who has great knowledge beyond just this earth alone. Okay. Well, we're going to be back in just a few more minutes with our final segment with Dr. Clarissa Pinkola Estes. Do not miss this last segment. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. America is facing a skilled workforce shortage. 
SkillsUSA can help. What is SkillsUSA? SkillsUSA is life-changing. SkillsUSA is awesome. SkillsUSA is one of the biggest opportunities life can give you. SkillsUSA is amazing. SkillsUSA is motivating. SkillsUSA specifically prepares you for the workforce. SkillsUSA empowers students to connect with a network of people, starting with their classmates, to their advisors, to other people in their states. SkillsUSA allows students to connect with business and industry, to manage their education, and to really get a feel of the real world. I'm doing something now that's going to be applicable in the real world, and those skills are going to be useful today in school and in five years when I'm working and for the rest of my life. On the web at skillsusa.org. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tong has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. You live for the firsts in your child's life. But how do you cope with the firsts that come after your child is diagnosed with cancer? CureSearch.org connects you to the doctors and scientists whose collaborative research has turned childhood cancer from a nearly incurable disease to one with an overall cure rate of 78%. CureSearch.org. You're not as alone as you feel. Brought to you by CureSearch and the Ad Council. to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Wow, this hour has gone so fast. I have enjoyed talking with you so much, Dr. Estes. And I, uh, we want to make sure that our listening audience knows about the online event and your Facebook uh, uh Account, not account, but your Facebook <laughs> face. Um, and uh, so if you could spend just a minute or so talking to us about that. Sure. Um, starting on um, September 22nd, um, we're going to do a live uh, online event called Dangerous Old Woman, The Power of the Crone. And it's six Wednesdays in a row starting on the 22nd of September in the evening. Uh, and you can find out more information from Sounds True dot com sounds true s o u n d s t r u e one word sounds true dot com and we'll be discussing this peculiar aspect of wisdom which is the crone who is the one who is the life death mother she is the one who represents the spirit in the sense of 
one that has traveled through this world and says what she wants to say, goes where she wants to go, sits with who she wants to sit with, helps who she wants to help, and no one, no one should try to stop her because she is seated entirely in the soul. And you notice as we get older, and you don't believe me, there are plenty of not wise 80-year-olds. It doesn't come only from gathering more years. It comes from learning, from rinsing all of your experiences and hanging them out and reading the reading them, understanding what you have been through and what is useful of what you've been through and what's dross, what you would throw away. And all of that's encapsulated all the way down into the crone. The crone is more like what I would call a star in the sky. Stars in the sky actually are getting smaller and smaller the older they get. They're getting, growing smaller. And, but the condensation of all that matter in the star actually makes them shine the brightest. And that's exactly what the crone is. Even though her life may in some ways become small, like I'm probably not going to be a ballerina, you know? <laughs> there are certain things in life now that seem that they're probably not going to be where I'm going to put all of my energy. And, and so I become more condensed and more condensed, and all of us do. But we shine much more brightly in that condensation than we ever did when we were all flanging ourselves all over the place, riding off in all directions, right? So that's what we're going to talk about. And I would invite you to join me on my Facebook page. Every day I try to put up at least one, sometimes two, three, and if I stay up really late, four or five short messages, and sometimes they're much longer, sometimes they're many paragraphs long, that uplift people and encourage people to continue making their lives, aiming their lives in a clear way so that they are at their most creative, their most loving, their most peaceful, regardless of what life and destiny has in store for them. So you can find me at Dr. Clarissa Pencola Estes dot, uh, let's see, dot com, which is my website page, or you can come to Facebook, which is also Dr. Clarissa Pencola Estes, and it will be any of those names. Try um, try my first name. I think it'll bring you right to me. Okay. All right, and I really would encourage you to do that. Um, it's a it is a blessing to see uh, what you have to say on in on your on the Facebook. I'm not there every day, but when I do come on there, you're always there, and I always look, read what you have to say, and it really is beautiful. Thank you, thank you, Andrea. Okay, so I want to know before we leave today. I am 58. In a few weeks, I'll be 59. Oh, you big baby. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) And I have been through my share of wisdom-making initiations, so how can I assure myself that I'm on the path to becoming or really facilitating this dangerous old woman in my life? Consciousness. That stopping, analyzing, thinking about what is happening to me in this moment. What is meaningful here for me? In this moment, how can I take this and use this to my benefit? How can I teach it to others? How can I tell or show others too? How can I do this? To be individuated, which is the point of growing older, it's what the crone is. She is individuated, meaning undivided. There's not this part of her fighting against, that part of her fighting against, this other part of her. She has good judgment. She has wisdom based on experiences she's had in life. I think... Personally, people should keep track of their dreams at night because their dreams have huge amounts of information for them. 
about what's going on, how they're doing, and other options about proceeding in tomorrow, tomorrow. I think that also in terms of all the angers we have, that you should have a whole list of what all your angers are and understand that those are blocks in the psyche, that those are complexes, negative complexes often, that are related to early wounds of one sort or another. Get those cleaned out and cleaned up so that you can flow and not have this rock fall in the middle of the road that comes from your own self every time you move along. Make a list of all your griefs that have not been grieved and start on them. Start doing what you know is needed in order to come to terms with those. We don't get over things. We learn to live with them. You understand? The crone doesn't go, okay, bibbidi-bobbidi-boo, now it's all gone. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But we come to terms with them, and we understand that we're Scar Clan people. We carry scars, and those are to be proud of. And it's not to be blustery about, and it's not to, you know, say I was the biggest drunk on Larimer Street, as one of my very old friends used to say. (laughs) It isn't. It is to take what you have learned and understand that that is grace not only for yourself but for others, and that everyone in this world suffers, everyone, about something today. And that you can be grace not only for yourself, but for others as well. This is moving into the crone. She is the most generous, the most truth-telling, the most kind, the most fierce, and the most embedded deeply in the soul of all the archetypes that we might know about. And she's been with us since we were born. And she's been with us since, she, since we were born. And we awaken to her more and more the older that we become. And there's great strength in being in that state of wisdom. It it doesn't make you unafraid, but it makes you brave. It doesn't make you um, unloving. It actually makes you elastic in your love, and you can love almost everything. And not only that, it makes you forgiving. Because if you can understand everything, all can be forgiven. Absolutely. Well, it's sad but true, but we have to say goodbye to you, Dr. Estes, oh, today. I hate it. Thank you so much. Thank really, you so thank much you for so your much. wonderful questions and your time and your warmth. I appreciate it very much. And absolutely likewise. Thank you so much for the same. And next week we're going to have Nash Morad on to talk to us about acceptance and choice, so don't miss that. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.